All right, welcome. This is message number one here in this series, brand new series we've entitled Heroes of the Faith, where we're going to be marching through the book of Acts. So I want to give you kind of the backstory to just how this series emerged. Because for years, you have to understand, you know my heart for missions. For years, I've wanted to teach through the book of Acts. Uh, Acts gives us the birth, it gives us the growth, it gives us the expansion of the church. The book of Acts tells us about Paul's first, second, and third missionary journeys, which I am enamored by, and I just love to read them, to envision them. The book of Acts really is the first volume that we have of church history and missions history. And so all of this just gets me so excited the problem I've faced over the years is how do I teach the book of Acts? Because it is 28 long chapters in length. And <laughs> I love to teach the Bible uh, in depth, and I love to teach it verse by verse. And I've, I've struggled, though, with this over the years because for me to do that, it would take me a minimum of two, if not three years, to teach through the book of Acts. And I would love to do that, but I don't think you would like me to do that to you. And over the years, I've even at different times talked to Tracy. I was, Trace, what do you think? Can I teach the book of Acts like a little puppy dog? Ha! Ah, you know, can I do this? You know, and she's like, Mark, honestly, I think you will drive your people crazy. And as if I have not already done that to you, okay? You know? So, you know... Out of desperation, probably, I don't know, nine months ago or thereabouts, I, I just said, okay, Lord, uh, and I, I started reading the book of Acts. Just, I said, I'm just going to read through this book in one sitting, the entire book, and let the Holy Spirit speak to me. As I'm reading, I'm like, yes, this is the Acts of the Apostles. This is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. These are new believers, and they're just... They're just living for Christ, and we see the church growing, and it, it's birth and expand. And, and, and as the more I'm reading, the more just names are popping up to me, and I'm like, wow, Lord, these are, are, are people just like you and, you and me. And they're in this book, and they're, they're just, they're raised up by you, and they're, they're doing these like heroic acts of faith. For that appointed period in time. And the more I read the book, the more I went, Lord, this is what you want to do. This is what you're doing in our church right now. And this is what you always want to do. You raise up unlikely heroes for a particular point in history and you use them for your glory. And, and the more I read through the book, I just said, wow, all of these men and women that I'm reading about, they inspire me. I want to be more heroic like them, the way they were heroic for you in their own setting. And so I was like, we can teach this hero by hero. So we've entitled this entire series, Heroes of the Faith, Acts. And, and the key verse is Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where it says, you will be my witnesses. That's the key phrase there. Notice it doesn't say they will be my witnesses. It says you speaking about you. So here's the good news. It's not going to take us two or three years to teach through this book. It's only going to take us one year. <laughs> 24 sessions, including this one. So I hope it's not going to drive you crazy. I'm super excited about it. Are you excited about it? Yay! Okay, okay. 
Now, for this first session, we're going to study the disciples in the upper room. Uh, and we're going to see something incredibly heroic about them. Sometimes the hero of the faith is an individual. Sometimes it's a group of believers, like the early disciples. Uh, but I want us to begin. Take your Bibles, open them to the book of Acts chapter 1. And let's read verses 1 through 11. And then we'll finish the rest of the chapter later. And as we begin to read, I just want to kind of fill in some blanks here as we go along, do some explaining. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, now Luke is writing the book of Acts. He's the author under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says, in my former book, he's referencing the gospel of Luke. Theophilus, he points out, that is the original recipient of the gospel of Luke as well as the book of Acts. He was some sort of government official. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. So after he was raised from the dead, Jesus uh, gives many convincing proofs to many, including the apostles, that he was alive. And he gives the exact time of this. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And then he spoke about the kingdom of God. So Jesus is raised from the dead. For the next 40 days, he meets with various believers, certainly the apostles. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, so he did various activities Jesus did with them, including eating. He gave them this command, very important command. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. We're going to learn about that gift next Sunday. He says, verse 5, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, they didn't fully understand what that meant, but something's going to happen in a few days. Verse 6, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I mean, here you are, you came as our Messiah, you died, you've raised from the dead, now are you going to restore the kingdom? Are you going to bring a physical kingdom on earth right now and establish your rule and reign on earth? This was their thinking even up to this point. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, you're not going to understand all eschatological history right now. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Again, that was a mystery to them because the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would come on you for a particular purpose and moment in history and then leave you. They didn't get fully what Jesus is talking about. But he says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So you, you get this reference to this amazing gift which they would receive at the birth of the church, which we'll get to next Sunday. And then we see the outline of the whole book of Acts right here. Because it says that you will be my witnesses. The book of Acts is, is, is the apostles witnessing in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. And that's how the book shows itself. Verse 9, after he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. That's on the Mount of Olives. Many of you have been with me to the Mount of Olives. We've stood right where Jesus ascended into heaven, and we've considered all this. 
And the, the, the apostles were looking up into the clouds as Jesus literally ascended. They were looking intently up into the sky, and as he was going, then suddenly two men dressed in white, angels, stood beside them, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus will return at the second coming. His feet will literally touch the Mount of Olives where you've stood. If you've not gone to Jerusalem, go to Jerusalem. Make it a point in your life, a vision in your life to go to this place and see it and feel it. It'll change your life. You say, well, Mark, this is awesome. I'm not sure I'm seeing a lot of heroics yet here, though. Well, the chapter's not done yet at all. Hang on. You know, the word hero, by the way, it's a noun, and it refers to, Webster says, a person who is admired or idealized for their courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. And what we're going to be looking at over the next year are these noble qualities that make up heroes. Not superheroes that we see out there in Marvel cartoons and movies. We're talking heroes of the faith, which all of you are in the making. Now just watch. We're less than halfway through this chapter. Go back and read, if you would, the main command that Jesus gives to the disciples, the apostles. And it's found in verse 4. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Jesus gives the disciples a very simple command. He says, wait. Wait in Jerusalem. First hero of the faith trade is this. Sometimes one of the most heroic things we can do is to wait. To wait. Look what Jesus says again. I want you to see it with your own eyes. Because the Lord is saying this to some of you this morning. He's wanting to raise you up to be a hero of the faith. And God's call for some of you is to wait. Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Use your imagination and envision the disciples talking among themselves about this command. Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem. Why can't we wait to leave Jerusalem? We all live in Galilee. Did Jesus really say we need to wait in Jerusalem? I don't even like Jerusalem. They don't like us in Jerusalem either, Peter. Can't we leave Jerusalem? And then Jesus said, wait for the gift my father promised you. So you can hear one of the apostles chirp up, uh, question, what was that gift anyway? I didn't get that part of Jesus' teaching. Another disciple, he speaks up. By the way, uh, who is the Father again? I didn't quite get that also. I know Jesus talked about the Father, but who, who is the Father? And why are we to wait? And why in Jerusalem? And we live in Galilee. I haven't seen my wife. I haven't seen my kids. Can we go back there? Hmm. You know, the promised gift comes in Acts chapter 2. But before Acts 2, there's Acts chapter 1. Question, are you in Acts chapter 1 in your life right now? Is God saying to you, wait? The theme of Acts chapter 1 is wait. 
So is weight the theme of your life right now? Are you in Acts chapter 1? Are you in a waiting period? Is the light at the intersection you are in right now like this picture? It's not green, it's not yellow, but actually it's red. Sometimes one of the most difficult things to do in life is to wait. And that's why it is the first trait of a hero of the faith. Heroes of the faith wait when God calls them to wait. Are you in Acts chapter 1? It is never easy to wait. But waiting unquestionably is a trait of a hero of the faith. I want you to talk about this a little bit. I want you to just open up. And I want you to be very real. And would you answer this question? Why is waiting so often so extremely difficult? Why? Give as many reasons as you can come up with at your table or if you're watching on video in your small group. Go for it. Let me give you now five ways to demonstrate heroic waiting. I mean, if a hero of the faith is someone who waits when God says, time to wait, how do you do that? Because it's not easy. But this is where we can look at the apostles and go, wow, these guys serve as models, examples of heroes of the faith that we want to aspire to become like. So I, I see these five ways to demonstrate heroic waiting. Number one, heroic waiting requires a decision. So if you're going to wait upon God because he's told you to wait, it starts with making a decision. You've got to drive a stake in the ground and just you know, kind of break your will and say, Lord, I will that I am going to wait upon you because you've told me to wait. Again, you look at verse 4, do not leave Jerusalem but wait. Well, what happens? Verse 12, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem. Ah, they're going to Jerusalem to wait. From the hill called the Mount of Olives, boom, right after Jesus ascends, they in obedience go back to Jerusalem to wait. It was a Sabbath day's walk from the city. The early apostles made the decision, we're going to wait. We're going to obey God when God calls us to wait. So I ask you a question again. Are you in Acts chapter 1? Is God the Holy Spirit, is he speaking to you about this trait that typifies heroes of the faith of waiting? Is Jesus saying, don't leave Jerusalem? Wait, I have something special for you, but not now. Wait in Jerusalem. We get into so much trouble when God calls us to wait, and we say, nope, ain't going to wait. And we're all like that. Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. That is the essence of sin. We don't like to wait. We like to go. But we get into a lot of trouble. I want to take my life into my own hands. I want to move forward, make my own decisions. And that can get us into so much trouble. Morally, wow. Financially, you bet. Relationally, oh yes. Spiritually, you bet. Get us into a lot of trouble because we are not waiting. Saul, he's given one command, one simple command. 
First king of Israel. One command by Samuel the prophet. Wait for me to show up to make the sacrifice. Saul just could not wait. First Samuel 13, he makes the sacrifice. Kings are never to make the sacrifice. He couldn't wait, and the kingdom was literally snatched from Saul at that moment and given to someone else. But then there's the opposite, the blessing that comes from waiting. Like Isaiah 40, 31, those who wait upon the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. When we run ahead of God, the opposite happens. Those who wait upon the Lord, our strength gets zapped. We do not soar like eagles. We often find ourselves in the pig pen like the prodigal who ran, who didn't wait, who didn't stay with the father. Heroic waiting requires, number one, a decision. And maybe the Lord has brought you here. You're watching on video because God has been speaking to you and you need to make a decision. I am in a waiting period right now. I just have to admit that to my life and I need to stop and I need to wait upon the Lord. Number two, heroic waiting includes a place. Verse 13. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. The, 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 for the early disciples, the place of waiting was the upper room. Many of you have been with me to the upper room. Here's a couple pictures of the upper room. There's an outside look of it. There's in Jerusalem, the upper room, and then the inside. I think there's a picture of our entire team. We're waiting in that upper room, just like the apostles and others, as we will see next Sunday, were waiting in this room. Now, the place that God wants you to wait is probably different. I don't think God is calling you to literally go to Jerusalem and wait in that room. Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem. And for you, Jesus may be saying, do not leave your marriage. No, no, no. Don't leave work. Don't leave that job. Don't leave home. Don't leave school. Don't leave your church. Don't leave followers. Don't leave that Bible study. Don't leave that ministry. Yes, it's hard, but don't leave it. It could be a dozen different things that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about not leaving. But when God calls us not to leave, he's calling us not to leave a place, a people, and only you and the Lord can know what that is speaking about. I'm thinking about one wife that I so admire because she has waited and she is still waiting for her husband to turn to the Lord. The world says leave. She's not listening to the world. She's listening to God. It is not easy, but I admire her uh, from afar so much she's waiting and God is blessing her it's not easy there's a red light wait I think of a pastor that I know in Thailand his name is Bao Ji I love this man 10 years ago I've known him for like 15 years 10 years ago he came to a crossroads in his life he literally uh, if you saw where he lived it would break your heart most of the pastors that we support around the world, 
uh, live in conditions that would break your heart. That's why my heart goes out to them. Uh, I just go, God, I'm so blessed. How can we not be a blessing to hundreds? And now we are supporting over 900 pastors around the world every month, our church. And, uh, but this is Baoji. He could barely feed his family. Most of the pastors, all of the pastors we support are absolutely brilliant. They're the leaders of their community. They could leave the ministry and they could make a lot of money. To be a pastor, to survive in persecuted countries, you have to be brilliant. You have to be a leader. You are a survivalist. And he could have taught, he could have done anything. And he came to the point, he just said, God, I cannot feed my little girls. He has three little girls. And so I'm not going to wait here any longer. I'm going to leave, actually, Thailand and go to Myanmar. He had double citizenship, and he had a job offer. And the night before, the Lord spoke to him. And then he had talked to me about this Lord speaking to him. And God said, if, if you stay, I will bless you. And he had to make a decision. Am I going to stay and wait upon God? I've been waiting, but God spoke to me. And he stayed, and I've been praying for him. And wow, you would not believe his ministry today. <laughs> he is the pastor and the number one guy we support in Thailand. God has used this man in ways that are beyond comprehension. It's incredible. He waited. Waiting requires a place. It's not easy. Is the Lord speaking to you? It requires a decision, includes a place. Number three, heroic waiting is best accomplished with other believers. And you see this in verses 13 and 14, where it says there that when they arrived, they went upstairs, they, into this upper room, and those present were all the names, Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, uh, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, and James, son of James. They all joined together. See this? They're together. And, and there, there's a principle here. Waiting is very difficult if you try to wait alone. It's much easier when God calls you to wait, to wait with other believers. You need other believers to wait. The church is often... Uh, God's ordained waiting room. Literally, it is. The church will remind you of the blessings that come from waiting upon the Lord. The world will say, run. Leave God out of the equation. Move ahead. Advance forward. Who cares about God and his ways? Care about your own life. You have one life to live. Go. Run. Move. Come on. Why are you so apathetic? <laughs> You need the body of Christ. I, I've never met a hero of the faith who is not connected to the church of Jesus Christ. Never. They don't exist. You cannot be a hero of the faith as a solo Christian. It just, they, they don't work. You need one another. You need a place like this. You need to be watching videos like this in your, in your home community. You need to be around tables like this talking with one another, learning from others who are waiting upon God because that's a trait of a hero of the faith. I love what Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says. Let's read this out loud together. It's in your notes. Let's, let us consider it starts there. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need one another. We need to spur one another on. 
This is what happens when we come together as the church. You try to wait alone, not going to work. I guarantee it's not going to work. You come together, you get others to pray with you, to encourage you, to sharpen you. You meet other Christians who are waiting on God, being patient, trusting God. It inspires you. Number four, heroic waiting. It's not passive. It is coupled with constant prayer. And even though the apostles are called to wait in Jerusalem, it says there in verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And notice, this was not occasional prayer, but constant prayer. Waiting is hard. Waiting can be very, very painful. I've been in waiting patterns many times in my life, many times in my ministry. I would be honest with you and share with you the most difficult times in my life. Have, do I, you think I'm, I'm a guy that likes to wait? Just, you know me. I am such a goer, it's, it drives me batty. My wife will say to me, Mark, I just so love to see you just calm down once in a while and, and just seated down. I don't even like to sit. And, and so I can tell you, honestly, the most difficult times in my life have been times you're all looking at me. <laughs> and when I've just been forced to wait, I don't wait well. It's a trait I'm trying to develop. But I'll tell you, this is what I've learned, and I learned it from the apostles. The way to deal with waiting is to double and triple your prayer time. That's how, you, that's how you wait. There is no place in the Bible where we are called to wait passively. We are called to wait actively by engaging in prayer. And uh, this, you know, uh, let me get I, many stories I could share with you. Uh, a few years back, I had heard about what God is doing in the country of Sierra Leone. It's a Muslim country. And when I heard that 250,000 Muslims have turned to Christ in 10 years in this country, I said, I'm going there. So I took Pastor Danny with me, and I said, that was his first missions trip. Welcome to the mission field. Uh, and uh, it was quite an experience. Danny's amazing to travel with. I've never seen anyone more prepared for a missions trip. I started calling him MacGyver. He had everything and beyond, I was blown away at how prepared. Danny is such a quick learner. I've never also traveled, traveled with a lot of pastors. No one catches on quicker than Danny Strange. And joy, I love Danny. We all love Danny. But the point being is when we get there, um, I'm trying to get my mind around how thousands, 250,000 Muslims are turning to Christ in front of me. We are supporting pastors right now throughout Sierra Leone thousands of Muslims continue to turn to Christ every day. It's so exciting. So I'm like, how? I'm trying to drill down and understand, and it's a longer story than what I have to tell right now. But I trace down, I'm trying to get at, at the epicenter of how this all happened, and it led me to the first church that was planted, and here's a picture of it. That is what they call the power room. This was the first church planted in Sierra Leone to reach out to Muslims. Since then, hundreds of other churches have been planted. You say, what's so special about this room, Mark? What, what's special about it is that it's called the power room because it's a prayer room. And they pray 24 hours a day 
in three-hour shifts of 20 people each every single hour of the day. It is ongoing, 24 hours. This is a ministry built on prayer. The power of the ministry of the gospel is prayer. If you are in a waiting period, God may have you in that waiting period because he's trying to teach you the power of prayer. There is power in prayer. And if you are forced to wait, double, triple, and quadruple your prayer time. Shadonka is the name of the, uh, the pastor who's preached here before, a dear friend. And I even asked Shadonka, Shadonka, can you give me one thing that you would pass on to my life that could help me grow? I always ask pastors, what's the greatest truth God has ever taught you? And he looked at me and said, Pastor Mark, he goes, I would challenge you to one day a week give to prayer and fasting. He said that to me, and I got on my knees right there. Right, right, fell on my knees. I said, you need to pray that I will do this the rest of my life. He prayed for me on my knees. And I've been praying and fasting one day a week ever since. And this is what I would say to you. And I was in a waiting period at that time in my life saying, God, what are you doing? What's going on? How come I'm not seeing any doors opening? And I'll tell you, man, that has just opened up doors praying and fasting like never before in my life. One day I'm going to do a, a, a teaching series on prayer and fasting. I'm not ready to teach it yet. I'm still learning. But it is where the power of the Christian life is. And what I'm just trying to share with you now is this. Heroic waiting is not passive. It is coupled with constant prayer. And I would add fasting. We don't see fasting here in Acts chapter 1. I'm not saying they weren't, but it's not taught there explicitly, but I'm adding it. And I just, it has helped me massively, and I pass it on to you. If you're awaiting, in a waiting period, pray fast. Number five, fifth way to demonstrate heroic waiting. Heroic waiting doesn't only pray, it also interprets Scripture and acts on what that Scripture says to do. So what, we're going to see this in a second here in the text, but it's not heroic only when God says, okay, wait, and now you just pray only. No, no, no. One person says, has said this, we need to pray like it's up to God, we need to act like it's up to us. Notice how the early apostles, as they were waiting, they were praying, but they also acted upon the scripture that clearly told them what they could do. Yes, when you wait, there's certain things you can't do because God says wait, but sometimes we think we can't do anything. No, 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 there's a lot you can do, and you get that from scripture. And so look at verses 15 to 26, and we're going to see. In those days, Peter stood up. Okay, they're waiting in Jerusalem. They're praying. And he stands up among the believers, a group uh, numbering about 120. They're in their up, upper room, and they're waiting. And he said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago uh, through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. Remember, he is the one who betrayed Jesus. He was the one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment, remember, 30 pieces of silver, he received for his wickedness. Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Judas went out and hung himself. Remember the high priests and all that? They ended up buying this field. And I, you can see the field today. I, I didn't get a picture for you. But uh, it's there. You can literally see it. 
everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language Akeldama, which is field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. So they're reading the Bible, and Peter says, guess what, guys? The Bible calls us, yes, we're waiting, but there's something we need to do. We need a 12th apostle, because Judas, he's dead. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who has been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning uh, from John's baptism there at the Jordan to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, he ascended, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, to be number 12, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. So here they are, the apostles. They're waiting, praying. But as they're waiting and praying, they are reading the scriptures, and they are interpreting scripture and acting upon it, and they add the 12th apostle in fulfillment of the scripture. So here's my point to you. If you are in Acts chapter 1 in your life, God says to you, wait. My advice to you is this. Wait by praying and fasting, but also wait by reading the Bible. And then interpret the Bible, act on the Bible, do what God's word says for you to do in the areas that you can do what God is calling you to do, even though you're waiting and restricted from doing certain things. God may have you in a waiting period, and his whole point is to get you to read his word and act on what he wants you to do. God put the Apostle Paul in many waiting periods in jail so he could write, literally, books that we have in the New Testament. There is always a purpose why God has us wait. God is preparing you for what is next so you can be ready for Acts chapter 2. But the way he prepares us is by putting us in a waiting period. He's done this for me many times in my life. God calls us to wait to get us ready for, watch this, something amazing. God does not want ever call you to wait for, watch this, nothing. Never does God call us to wait for nothing. Like it's punitive. No, no, no. God knows exactly what he's doing in your life, in your ministry, in your marriage, in your family. If you will just obey him and wait upon him, Acts chapter 2 is just about to show up. A gift that you can't even imagine. Whatever is going on in your life, the next chapter in your life is yet to come. It's yet to be turned to. It's yet to be opened up. In the meantime, wait, pray, fast, and read and obey God's word where God's word calls you to be clear on what you can do in the meantime. Some people, they're just in a waiting, they get so, you know, funked out and discouraged, and, and they don't have the trait of a hero of the faith to persist in waiting. And God, meanwhile, it's so close. The next chapter, it's right there. Don't run ahead of me. God's just going to circle you around and put you in another waiting period. Hmm. Psalm 130, verse 5. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word I put my hope. 
when you're in a waiting period, put your hope in the word of God. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Yes, the stop sign says stop, but guess what? You can do what God's word says in other areas. That will prepare you for Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit is speaking. This is your turn to now share. You know, God, God has put you at your tables, or if you're watching on video, He's put you in a room of other believers that will sharpen. They will speak to you about your own life. So talk about this. Of the five ways to demonstrate heroic waiting, which one do you most need to apply in your life? Which one is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about? What is God speaking to you about right now that you encourage your group with when it comes to a step that would help you with heroic waiting? Take a moment, talk about that. Okay, let me uh, bring us back to our first hero of the faith trait and just give you the opportunity to think, process, pray, come to the Lord about this. And here's the summary. Sometimes one of the most heroic things we can do is just to wait. You probably didn't expect that. Like all of these heroes of the faith, I think they're going to hit you kind of like, whoa, that's a trait of a hero of the faith? You bet it is. And we're going to discover this week after week. But perhaps right now, God has placed you like the apostles in a waiting pattern. This wasn't always the case. We're going to see in other chapters, it's go. And then other traits come into play. But you see the gamut in the book of Acts. And maybe you are in Acts chapter 1 right now in your life. And God's saying to you, wait. So you have the opportunity, like the apostles, to rise to the level and be a hero of the faith. And wait. Not easy, but it's heroic. Imagine if the apostles didn't wait. They would have missed Acts chapter 2, which is absolutely unimaginable. Don't miss what God has for your life. The way to Acts chapter 2 to that destination comes by waiting. That's the pathway to get you there. We've all heard the saying, haste makes waste. I I've lived that out. <laughs> but then there's also the other saying that good things comes to those who wait. I've also been living that out. God's teaching me. I'm in process just like you are. Heroes of the faith, when the stop rides at your life, like this picture says red, we stop and we just wait. Even though it's difficult, we like it to, to say green, even yellow, proceed cautiously. But red, wait, are you serious? And yet we hear from God, his voice. How are you going to, we don't know. It's a life of faith. And so we say, we're going to wait. It's heroic when you do that, like the apostles. It's heroic that they didn't leave Jerusalem. Yes, they were probably a little scared. They're hunkered down in a room with the door closed. But they were obedient. They're waiting. <laughs> Next Sunday, wow, are we going to see something beautiful. It's going to be worth it. 
And this is what God wants to say to you right now. It, it will be worth it if you wait. How can we demonstrate hero of the faith waiting? Heroic waiting requires a decision. And maybe you just need to drive that stake deeper in your own soul and in your walk with God and make a covenant. I am going to wait upon you, God, until the light says yellow or green. And that's why God brought you here. He's going to meet you. He's going to empower you. He has something beautiful for you. It starts with a decision. Heroic waiting includes a place. And the Holy Spirit speaking to you what, what that place looks like. That's between you and God. It is best accomplished with other believers. Because you're with other believers right now, the Lord is speaking to you and you're being emboldened to wait. You're experiencing the benefit of being with other believers right now. This is God's gift to you. It is not passive. It is coupled with constant prayer. God wants you to engage in constant prayer added, I would say, with fasting. Heroic waiting does not only pray, it also interprets Scripture and acts on what Scripture says to do. What is God saying that you can do even though you're waiting in a certain area? You know, I sometimes think God is like a lifeguard. And a lifeguard, he won't save someone or she, who is drowning until the person stops fighting, thrashing about. But once the person gives up their own way and they enter into a waiting pattern, then the lifeguard enters into that realm because they're ready to be rescued. Are you ready to stop thrashing around and making a mess kind of out of things? Waiting to rate, wait. That's heroic. Be a hero of the faith for your family, for your spouse, for this church, for the glory and praise of God. At work, as a testimony, the world says, run, go, leave. God says, stop. That's heroic. Amen? You got one. 23 more traits are on their way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the precious word of God. It is so timely, so beautiful. Thank you for your love for us. And, oh God, we just need to think about this more and ponder deeply this trait of waiting that Jesus, you so demonstrate perfectly. You always waited upon your Father. You never went ahead of Him, always in stride with Him. And you waited all the way to the cross. Satan tried to get you to forego that mission, but you waited. And Jesus, we want to be like you. We want to be like the apostles. And maybe you just need to say to the Lord this morning, Oh God, you know all about my life. Here I am. I want to drive a stake in the ground and wait as you're calling me to wait. I'm willing to be a hero of the faith. Not easy. Everyone's saying leave, but I know your voice. That voice is wait.
You just talk to the Lord. This is your moment.